0: Good morning. Good morning. I heard you had an excellent week last week and uh, we pray that the Lord is at work through the message and through the challenges that were given and um, as I've been praying and thinking about things and talking with others, I've really felt the need to um, speak about the church. I think many times when we go through difficulties, or many times just in life, even, we can be distracted by what the real purpose of the church is. And so I'm planning on doing a series on the church and the mission of the church, is where I was going to start. And as I've been working on that for the last several weeks, it really came to me that it, it begins within. And. Um, working at the prison, and I think uh, Pastor Steve would share the same thing, that when we deal with people there, we're trying to tell them that they're no good for anybody else until they can get it right in their own life. And so many times we, we look at that even in the communities, you know. We, we say that we want the world to change. So uh, we're going to be in Matthew 28. We're going to talk a little bit about the Great Commission. We'll get more into it next week. But in uh, Matthew Twenty-eight, uh, sixteen 28, 16 through 20. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Goeth therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit." teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And so we look at this great commission, and and I think a lot of churches sometimes put it over their doors. you're leaving. You are now entering the missions field. We've talked here about reaching out into the community, making a difference. But I really believe before we're going to be effective at that, we need to get things right in our lives. So we say we want the world to change. Well, the world doesn't change until countries change. Our country's not going to change until states change. States don't change until counties change. Counties don't change until cities change. Cities don't change until churches change. Churches don't change until families change. And families don't change until I change. So it starts within. Bill gave a a good um, missions presentation last night. One of the things he said, it's easy to be a Christian elsewhere. It's hard to do it when it's closer to home. Somebody once said this quote The church today is raising a whole generation of mules. Now, have any of you ever owned a mule? I've owned a couple. Some of you horse people. You owned a mule, Jay? Oh, Oh, I suppose. I suppose you farmed with that back in the day, huh? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, compared to horses, there's a big difference. But before you get too offended by the statement of churches are sort of representing them, there's many redeemable redeemable qualities about mules, Uh, especially when compared to horses. And I know we have some horse people here, so just bear with me. You know, uh, mules can endure extreme temperatures, hot and cold. They, they do that better than a horse. Mules are mostly uh, more intelligent than horses. They say that they learn easier. Now, I've had both, and I've had troubles training either, but this is what they tell me. Mules eat less, and I can attest to, defy to that because when we lived up north, we had a horse, and a couple horses actually, and I watched them all winter out of our kitchen window as they ate this pile of green and produced piles of brown. That's all they did was stand by that and eat and eat and eat. But they say mules eat less. Mules live longer on average. Um, They're more productive when it comes to work. They say that a mule can carry like 60 pounds up to 50 miles a day. So they're real um, able to endure quite a bit. But there's a problem with a mule is that Basically, all mules are sterile. So they're basically the end of their line. And so maybe that's what this man was saying when he said that the church today is raising a whole generation of mules. Are we reproducing other disciples? And so as we talk about this, we can say, you know, we can be durable. Churches have have great workers in them. I'm always amazed at churches when I get involved with them because uh, they have people that are willing to teach, willing that are, are willing to serve, work with our youth, cook meals, mow lawns, reach out to those in the community. They're givers. They like to give and help things out like towards missions and different things like that. They like to organize and do all these things. But there is one problem. We're generally not good reproducers, Somebody a few weeks ago uh, had mentioned, well, you know, you point out that you said uh, Christians basically are not good at forgiving and good at loving. Well, I'm sorry if it offends you sometimes, but I really see that in the world and I see that within the church. And I see this also within the church. It's something that can humble us and it's something that is really going to, uh, for my uh, life anyways, it brings me to the point that says, you know, I don't have it right but through Christ, I can do these things. Amen. And that's what I want to talk about today because the mission is given to us from the Lord to go into all the world and make disciples. So we might say, um, if, you know, really, if we're nothing more than a generation of infertile mule Christians, we're not doing what God has commanded us to do, going out and making disciples. So a disciple is somebody who. Uh, studies and learns from a teacher. So we're learning continually. So there's ways that we do that. We can do that by our private devotion. We do that by getting into God's word. We do that through Bible studies. We do that by coming to church and hearing the word of God. We can listen to it on a Christian radio station. There's many ways that we can be taught. I have like four guys that I listen to pretty regular uh, through podcasts and different things where they really stretch me and they challenge me in, in my walk. So that's what a disciple is, somebody who learns and others. So we might say, well, who's that teacher? Is it just the pastor? No. Is it just the Bible study leader? No. We got mothers here. Mothers, you got a family at home, and you are a teacher to those children. Them children are going to grow up in your shadow, and fathers also, and they're going to be looking at you. And they're going to be learning from you. They're going to learn your values. They're going to learn what's important to you and what's important in life. So we can say that mothers are those, fathers are those. Sometimes our friends are those. We learn from our friends. It doesn't take us long when we sit and talk with somebody to really see what's important to them. But we challenge one another. My time down in Texas with Bill, we talked about a lot of things and and we get stretched because we don't always see eye to eye on everything that's in the scriptures. And so we challenge each other and we talk it through and and, and we grow and we learn. We're teachers to one another. We learn from those that we watch. And as a church, the world is watching us. And so the question is, is, what are we teaching the world as they look at us? Jesus didn't tell us just to make disciples that were soft in their commitment. Just come to church. And, and that's good enough. You know, last week um, down in Augusta, I spoke on, on Malachi. What does the Lord require of us? And sometimes we think, well, you know, if I do this, if I do that, if, you know, if I give money, if I am doing these things, I'm good enough, God's going to let me in. Uh, no, he didn't call us to be soft in our commitment or occasional in our obedience. You know, we treat the Bible sometimes like a, a smorgasbord. Well, I sort of like this, I, I'm going to do this, but man, that's, that's asking a little too much, Lord. Well, God calls us to do these things, and so we do them. So in his own words, Jesus said to be a disciple of Christ. And, and so I want to I wanna share this in the best I can. A disciple is a student. So it's a student of God and his word. So we're learning from that. It should be that every disciple is a believer. okay? But not every believer is a disciple, if that makes sense. Some, some people have said the prayer. Sincerely, they've given their heart to Christ, but for whatever reason, they're not interested in really growing spiritually. As, as the saying goes, sometimes uh, they're just worried about being like an inch wide and, or an inch deep and a mile wide. God, God wants us to be deep in our faith. Not the deep that, like, let me impress you with what I know, but deep in our walk, deep in our commitment, deep in our obedience, deep in our love, deep in our forgiveness, deep in training others, taking every opportunity we can to share Jesus Christ. So this great commission, and we're going to get more into this next week, was authorized by the power of Christ, as we just read. So we're doing it in his power. Okay, It's accomplished by the plan of Christ, So I believe in the sovereignty of God, that God is at work in all these things. And God provides the opportunities, the people to cross our path. He gives us the opportunities each and every day. And when I say that, a lot of times, if you've never done this, I would encourage you to try this. When you wake up in the morning, um, I always think it's a great idea to start the day with prayer. And ask the Lord, Lord, whatever it is that you have for me, you're committing yourself to him. Whatever it is you have for me today, I want to do it. And Lord, bring somebody into my life that I can share with. Okay, Not just quote scriptures, but share. Share something. Maybe be a good listener. Um, Maybe it's sharing scriptures or sharing a testimony, sharing what God has done. And you know what I find in my life is when I start my day like that, everybody that I come in contact with, I begin to think, God, did you bring this person here? And we're focused. We're pinpointed. It's not like, the smorgasbord. So it's accomplished by the plan of Christ. Christ has a plan. He brings people into our lives for a purpose and a reason. And it's assured by the presence of Christ. So when, we, when we're when we doing this, we're not doing this of ourself. We're not doing it of our own um, plans. But we're doing it of the plans of God. I, I like I liked Dale's testimony today about saying, you know, we get our own plans and we get our own ideas and you know, our our own agendas, and we map it out. But to really realize that it is the presence of Christ in the situation that will give us the words to say, that will give us the people that we need to interact with. So it starts with in. And so in Galatians 6.10 it tells us this. So then as often as we have the chance, we should do good to everyone, and especially to those that belong to our family and faith. Now, some versions say that those that belong to the household of God, but it's to other believers. As believers, we need to especially work on this because, again, the world is watching us. And what is it that they say that they see in our life? Because um, we, we can't share what we don't have, and we can't show what we don't know. So as believers, we talk a lot about grace. And so this is sort of like a, a mirror um, message. So ask yourself, do I extend grace to those around me? We talk a lot about mercy. Again, am I merciful? We talk a lot about forgiveness. Am I a forgiver? Do I forgive people? Repentance. We talk about that being sorry. Not just sorry for the sins, but it's a change of mind. It's a change of heart. It's a change of direction. So repentance sort of looks like this. I've realized that that this, what I'm doing, is against God's word and what he would have me to do. And so God begins to work in our lives. And he begins to convict us of that. And we have a change of heart. We have a change of direction. We don't continue on those things. We talk about it, but do we do it? In reconciliation. God has talked about, he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And so today we're going to talk a little bit again about forgiveness and Reconciliation. Because it's easy, as Bill shared last night, to go out and do Bible stuff elsewhere. But it's hard to do it inside with church. It's hard to do it with friends. It's hard to do it with family. And it becomes a challenge, and it becomes actually the hidden sliver within a church. And if you know what a hidden sliver is, it's something that you get in there, and it's like, well, you know, it will go away. But it doesn't. It becomes infected and it swells up and it hurts. And you can have that little thing. I just had one here last week, and I had to dig it out because it just. Every time I grabbed something, it was like, man, that hurts. We do that sometimes within the church. Some of you remember W. C. Fields. I find the older I get, the the I know people that nobody else does. But some of you might remember W. C. Fields. He was a, a talented comedian. Way way back in the day. And he was known for his excesses of life, drinking and carousing and and all these things. But uh, later in his life, someone saw him looking at a Bible or reading a Bible, and they asked him, are you looking for answers? And his response was, no, I'm looking for (laughs) loopholes. Sometimes we are like that. We look for the way out of dealing with something. We look for the way out of, of not addressing the white elephant in the room. And God says we need to do these things. James one twenty two says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So we can come together, we can hear the word of God, we can read the scripture, we can do devotions, we can read the daily bread, we can listen to Christian radio, we can do all these things, but if we're just hearing it and not applying it, the Bible says we are deceiving ourselves. Are you a disciple of Christ? If we are unwilling to forgive others, we have no reason to expect God to forgive us. And you say, well, that sounds crazy. Well, it's written in Matthew 6, 14 and 15. If you're not willing to forgive others, we cannot expect God to forgive us. So it's a command, and it's a strong command that God gives us. Reconciliation, on the other hand, assumes a broken relationship. So when we talk about reconciliation, that means something's broken, something's not right. Something has happened that has caused two parties to become estranged from one another. So it, it can be many things. Uh, it could be friends that have, have whatever. They become estranged. They're not talking. They're not fellowshipping the way that they used to. It might be business partners. Sometimes things go bad in businesses. It can be even as intimate as marriages. Husbands and wives, they, they, they have this and they become estranged from one another. But now there's something between them, and it needs to be reconciled. And so as we talk about this, reconciliation involves forgiveness, but it goes really beyond forgiveness. And when we talk about forgiveness, I can give forgiveness to someone. So maybe somebody comes and apologizes, and and I ask for forgiveness, or I'll say, that's fine, I've given that forgiveness, But there's no guarantee that that relationship will be restored just because I have told somebody I'm sorry for what I've done to you. I mean, we have 1,500 and some men, and some of which have done horrendous things. And they're sorry, many of them, I think, have apologized and that for what they have done, but the relationship may never be restored, okay? So just because we apologize to somebody or tell somebody that we forgive them, doesn't necessarily mean that that relationship is going to be restored. When I seek forgiveness from someone, if I come to you and say I'm really sorry about what I said or what I did or how I acted, there's still no guarantee that that's going to lead to a restored relationship. Reconciliation really requires both parties to be willing to participate in restoring the relationship. Now when we talk about forgiveness, a lot of times I say we really need to be in prayer about this. And by the way, just, just to let you know, over the last couple weeks I have heard some, some great things and I have seen some great things and been a part of some great things as far as as I believe forgiveness has happened and some reconciliation has been taking place. So I, I know that there are those that are doing those things and, and I'm very glad that we're hearing God's voice and doing those things. But I want you to, to understand that in forgiveness we need to incorporate in the Holy Spirit in prayer in this. And so I, I always have an example that I used in, in 30 some years ago. Um, we uh, we were gonna buy a business in a in a town and sort of had it sorta had it all set up. It was all written up and, and all drafted out. And and uh, as we were getting closer to closing, uh, the gentleman would always call and say, well, I decided I'm going to keep this this stuff here, some of this equipment or some of that equipment. And, and he began to whittle it down, whittle it down, whittle it down. So there was really no value left. And the, the whole business thing went south. And I was mad. I was upset about it. I had been cheated. I had been wronged. I had been... I believe taken advantage of it and all that to say it was the best thing that ever happened in my life. Because two weeks later I got a job with the state and, and God has been so good. But even though it was the best thing that ever happened to me, I carried that grudge for years and years. I carried it into my ministry even after I became a pastor. And every time I would see this person on the street, I would get sick in my gut. Just That's what bitterness does. That's what anger does. That's what you know, thinking that I'm owed something does. And I would see him, or if I thought about him, I would work it over in my mind. I'd get myself all worked up to where literally I would feel like that pit in my stomach. Some of you know what that is. And it was just a terrible feeling. But it was fresh, and I'd see him, and I'd think, that dirty scoundrel, he cheated me. And even though God had such a better plan, and now I'm working for the state, now I'm a pastor, and all this stuff, I just sort of thought I was cheated, I was wronged. And man, if, if, if he knew. Well, Julie and I, sometimes we would go visit other churches on Wednesday nights or Sunday evenings. And, and one time I was at a, at a church in town visiting. And as I came in, I, I sat in the back. You guys are pretty good. A lot of you guys sit up front more. Most people sit in the back. But I came in, I sat in the back, and I, I think Julie was there with me. And, and I look from the back, as you can see everybody, and I look up front, and who do I see? this guy. And I get this pit in my stomach and I'm thinking that dirty no good. That one who took advantage of me. And the pastor was preaching his message. I don't even know what the pastor was saying. I just sat there pretty much through the whole service sort of fuming inside. I was probably singing songs and raising my hand, but I was, I was, as I glanced over, I think, Ugh, you know, And so we went through this whole service, and then at at the end, when they were going to close in prayer, I bowed my head, and it was like the Lord revealed to me that you got to let this go. This isn't what I have called you to do. This isn't what my intention was. And so at that moment, I prayed, and I asked the Lord's forgiveness for that, and and, uh, the burden was just lifted like that. It was just gone. And I can think good things of that, that person now. You know, I mean, um, do I still think some things were done wrong? Yeah, but I'm, I'm not upset about I'm not angry about Because I realized this. Every time I saw him and I was mad at him and every time I would get sick, he was going out for coffee. He was having fun with his kids. or what? Well, he had no idea that I even felt the way that I did. So when I talk about incorporating the Holy Spirit into this, it would have been easy for me at that time to go up to him after that church service and, and say, you know what, sir? I want you to know I forgive you. And he would have looked at me like a deer in a headlight, like, what are you talking about? And, well, and then I would have to explain to him how he really took advantage of me way back when and all this. And, and that would have just stirred up a whole other nest. I didn't need to go to him, I didn't feel. I, I wasn't led by the Spirit to go and ask forgiveness of him. See? M- My first intent was he needs to come and ask forgiveness for me because he did me wrong. But really what the Lord said is I needed to let it go. I needed to ask the Lord for forgiveness because I had been harboring sin. I had been harboring this feeling in my life. And so he has never known that, that we even probably had odds. So I I say this for this reason, because when we go and seek forgiveness and when we go and offer forgiveness there are two different things sometimes we can offer forgiveness to somebody if we really know that we've done something wrong so if if bill and i have an argument and i and i call him russian instead of polish or something and he's all mad and and i can go say i'm sorry bill i can apologize for those things if i'm led by those things i think a lot of times seeking forgiveness is more important you know, seeking that we can be forgiven. You know, asking somebody else to forgive us is more important than always going sometimes and, and saying that we need to forgive them. But there's other times that we need to tell people that too, just to let them know that they're free from it. So there can be times when there's a a barrier, there's a wall, there's something, there's there's friction, and and we know that it's there, and it's because sometimes people are like, does he really forgive me for this or? Does he know that I've forgiven him, that I've let him go in this thing? And so it's a communication thing. So it's important to communicate those things. So both are important, but I would say keep it in prayer and and ask God how to direct you in those things. But the most important thing in the ministry of reconciliation is with God because when I have bad feelings about somebody else, it's hindering my relationship with God much more than it's hindering my lateral. Okay, okay. It affects my devotions. It affects my my reading of the word. It affects my preaching. It affects my family. It affects all sorts of things. But it mostly affects my relationship with God. And so God gives us some scriptures. So for forgiveness given, Matthew 18, 21 to 22 says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall I forgive the brother who sins against me? We've all heard this. Should I forgive him seven times? And the Lord says, no, 70 times seven. So for the legalist, does that mean 490 times? No, God was really saying we continually forgive that person. Okay. Now there's other things that can come into play with it, but we continually forgive. If somebody seeks forgiveness, we always forgive them. That's how we need to do it. We need to do it with the Lord that way. We need to do it with others. Mark 11.25, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in Heaven may forgive your sins. So again, when we enter into prayer, and that's what the Lord had done when I was in the church that night, I bowed my head in prayer, just trying to focus in on what the pastor says. I don't even know what the pastor prayed about because the Lord intervened. And the Lord said, you know, Craig, this is what I'm telling you now. And so when we stand praying and you got something against somebody, it says, make that right. Forgive them. It doesn't mean you need to run to them and forgive them. It means you need to purpose in your heart. Again, that's part of repentance. Change a mind, change a heart, change a direction. Because if I'm holding something against somebody, I'm treating that person different. My mind is always expecting the worst. My heart is, is not pure like God would want it to be. And so when we stand praying, if... Um, If you hold anything against someone, I'm holding something against you. It says that I need to release that so that God can also forgive me. Because really what he's saying in that scripture is I'm wrong. I'm wrong for holding that. I'm thinking this guy is wrong for what he did to me. God is saying, Craig, you're wrong for holding that bitterness against that person. And Jesus is saying, I want to forgive you, Craig, for how you respond. Forgiveness sought. I think this is an important one, and it's one that we don't always do because, A, we got pride, right? I'm a prideful man. Men, men deal with this, I think, a little bit more than women. Men tend to be prideful, but we got pride. Um, we have to humble ourselves. That's sort of hard. So we, humbling sometimes means taking almost a submissive role. Humbleness, by the way, is not weakness. But it, it's really just realizing. I got something that I need to deal with. And so forgiveness sought sometimes is real important. I'm seeking forgiveness from somebody. And, and here's the catch in our lives sometimes when we do this. So we, we have this thing that, that I know I've done Lenny wrong, so I'm gonna, I want to go talk to Lenny. And, and I want to tell Lenny to forgive me because I've had a bad feeling. Lenny may say, well, I don't know what this is all about. My flesh wants to tell him what it's all about. You know, well, Lenny, it's because of this, this, and this. No, I don't need to tell him that sometimes. I just need to say, you know what, I've just had bad feelings, or I've had this, I feel this has been between us, I just want to ask you forgiveness because I've been wrestling with this, and I want us to be, Reconciled. I want us to be restored back to where we need to be. So it tells us this in James 5:6. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. We want to be healed as a church. You need to heal from the inside out. If you don't get that sliver out, it's forever there. The skin will grow over it, but it's still sore underneath, and you bump it just right. And the pain is still there. Healing happens from the inside out. I'm not a medical person. We have a nurse here. But healing happens from the inside out, I'm told. And so in the church, we need to do that. We need to heal from the inside out. And it says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. So again, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. So, We're saying when we want to do this, I want to confess my sin, that I've whatever, and I want to pray. But when I'm doing that, I'm doing it for the right reasons, which is righteousness. I'm not doing it to show somebody else it's wrong. I'm doing it because I was wrong. And I'm doing it because I want that relationship restored. And it says, then you will be healed because that prayer is powerful, has great power, and it's working. Matthew 5:23. It says if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. So here's another analogy. So what is, what is the altar? I think of the Lord's table when, when I come to this, but it could be anything. When we come into the house of God, you know, wherever you are at. So if you are offering your gift to God, because that's when we bring our gifts, You know, we bring our gifts on a daily basis. Whenever you're bringing something to give. But if you know or remember that your brother has something against you, not that I have something against him, but I know now that he has something against me. And I'm not sure what it is, or maybe I know what it is. It says if we have that, it says leave your gift there on the altar. God says, I don't want it. I don't want it. Go deal with this. Leave your gift there on the altar and first go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer that gift. So really that tells me if we're giving gifts and and we have this bitterness in our heart, God isn't accepting those gifts to our credit. As a matter of fact, I think that they're probably extension in his nostrils. And so God says, leave that altar, that gift there at the altar, go and be reconciled, and then come and give your gift. See, God wants the best for us. And I want to say as believers, as Christians, and I trust everyone sitting here today is, this is always possible. It is always possible. And guess what? It is always expected. If you call yourself a Christian, I expect you to forgive people. I expect for you um, to be reconciled to people. Because it's what God has called us to do. Now, again, reconciliation takes two parties, so we can try, and if they say no, we've done our part. We have a clean conscience before God. But it's always possible, it's always expected for us to forgive, for us to seek forgiveness, and for us to pursue reconciliation. And so that's my prayer that we're doing this. Are you willing to do this today? Okay, we got a couple. So you're not used to talking. Now, I heard that preacher last week, and you were talking a lot. So is he. I don't know, but, you know. And the question really is, it's an eternal one. But are you willing to do that today? Are you willing to address that this week? Because I truly believe, as all of us are sitting here, and I'm even thinking of things yet in my mind as we're sitting here, that need to be dealt with. Will you be the doer? that God has called you to be, and not just hearer, but be the doer. Are you willing to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord? He says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. He will exalt you. Are you willing to let that pride down? You know, the saying is this, is that if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. problem. Okay? The world has enough problems without us contributing to more of it. So let's be part of the solution. Let's do it God's way, as as Dale charged us today. But let it begin with me. Let's pray. Father, your word is sometimes difficult. It's hard for us sometimes to apply it. We like the frosting, and we like the of the good-tasting scriptures about being loved and forgiven of you and that we're going to be in eternal paradise with you and, and all those things. But Lord, when it comes down to where the rubber meets the road and you have called us to get in the trenches, to get dirty, to do difficult things, sometimes we look for that loophole. Father, help us not to be loophole lookers. Help us to be those that are really searching and seeking reconciliation first with you. Your word says, search me and try me, O God. Let me know of any evil way in me. Well, any evil way is anything that is contrary to your word. So Lord, I'm asking today, search me. Search this body. Search this congregation, Lord. And speak to our hearts about things that we can do. Not that need to be done for us, but that we can do for others. To forgive, to reconcile. God, you're an awesome God. You are a mighty God. And many times we don't see the miracles that you can do because we're not willing to be participants of that plan. But Lord, help us to trust in you. That we might see the mighty hand of God. Because we are not doing this for our exaltation. We're not doing this for our credit. We're not doing this... So we look good, but what we do, we want to glorify you. We want this community to look at this church and say, they're doing something different. They're doing it right. They're committed to what the Bible says. And so, Father, help us to do that in our life. Help us to be that in our life. And we ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.